Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? Welcome along to the Melchester Odyssey part um, it's the uh, Melchester Roy the Rovers book, best of Roy the Rovers 1980s, which I keep telling you every week, which I'm sure you all know, but uh, it feels as though I need to do that. Um, we are going to attempt the episode that we didn't manage to pull off properly last week, Sam. We got about three panels into the story and got sidetracked by other things, yeah. and then it all went tits up anyway. So yeah. just as we were about to discuss Ian McCallan's first ever wank as part of a TV show that we were developing... Oh, remember that. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, uh, I have vague memories of it, but probably best right at the beginning of an episode. I don't start thinking about it again, because then another episode <laughs> will pass us by. I think we pretty much dealt with it. Okay. Um, I suppose it's only, so, on. only so much you can say, really. Yeah, yeah. He'd say that himself, I imagine. Um, yeah. We could have moved on to other wanks, but we'll not. We'll try and get back. My first wank movies. could be a uh, BBC Two regular Sort of mm. similar to um, who do you think you are, where it's just like a different celebrity yeah. talking about yeah. it, and they're trying week. to track down the subject. <laughs> 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 I mean, it could be a pop star, a film star, it could be a sexy could be teacher, could be fictional, it could be fictional because uh, for a lot of lads of our generation, it might have been the Capri's Caramel Bunny, which yeah, was in Rap Voice by Miriam Margolies. Margolies, yeah. 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 Aye. Penelope uh, Pitstop. Bugs Bunny when he dresses up as a girl. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Taz from the Taz cartoons where she just wears a veil and carries a bouquet. (laughs) Otherwise just looks like Taz. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's all niche stuff, isn't it? Mm. But, yeah, let's not try and get sidetracked down that too much. Let's try and get a bit deeper into Roy than we did last week. Claire Grogan, uh, Kim Wilde. Um, no, sorry. Yeah. Sarah Rose. Green, Maggie Philbin. Yeah. Daisy Duke. Uh, Sally James. Mm. Uh, yeah, Melchester. Uh, right. It says at the beginning, uh, the rest of the Rovers went to visit Roy Race except Vic Guthrie, which, of course, obviously, because he's under suspicion for uh, the attempted assassination of Roy Race. He was shot in the hair. 
Manchester Rovers had stormed to an incredible 14-0 victory over Keysborough, setting a new league record, and a live commentary on the game had helped Roy to recover from a gunshot wound outside Melchester General Hospital, where a crowd of fans had kept constant vigil, dot, dot, dot. <clears throat> and there they are. Would that happen now if a major celebrity was in hospital? Would there be an, a vigil by fans well, outside? When, There'd be a few, wouldn't When there? a royal's about to give birth, you get a lot of people hanging around outside the hospital, don't you? Yeah, most of them are maniacs, though. Well, but, I would um, assume that would be the case. Anyone, anyone performing a vigil anyone for would, an individual that they're not related to <laughs> any is kind of a maniac, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Um, but they're all there. And our man, who we thought might have looked a bit like Ray Parker Jr., yeah. is um, is uh, doing a piece to camera there. Celebrities have been arriving all day to congratulate Roy on his recovery. Even the Minister for Sport has made a personal visit. Uh, I wonder if nine-year-olds who read this knew who or what the Minister of Sport is. It sounds more important Ooh, than he really was, really, The Minister really, of Sport. Till no less. Well, the Minister of Sport had no responsibilities at all, did they, really? I mean, you think that Colin Moynihan was the Minister of Sport back then? I think it was. Call. I don't. Bidding, was was there one even before Colin Moynihan? Thatcher had to invent one because of all the hooliganism that was going on. I remember there was one. Yeah, I've forgotten his name, but he was a, a more of an um, imposing figure than Moynihan was. I'm not going to bother. Sir John Sport. Sir John Sports. Yeah, it's not relevant, is it? Uh, Excuse my sniffing, yeah. mate. As you know, oh, I've been suffering from again? a cold this week. I know you. Can edit, I just say you kindly edited the sniffs out of the it, last episode? It, it took quite a while. <laughs> I bet. I bet, mate. I mean, it's you I feel sorry for because no one else had to listen to them, but you fucking had to twice. Yeah. I've, I've suffered wasn't more pleasant. than you have during I this know. cold. Yeah, this, this cold has had a bigger impact on you than me. It was a fucking heavy cold, wasn't it, the other day? Yeah. I mean, now it's on yeah. its way out, but I've got this nasal spray that I use. Right. This particular one's a there. Sudafed. And, you, oh, and it's yeah, a little, a small bottle of, brown bottle of liquid, magical yeah. liquid. I guess yeah. in some ways a bit like maybe it's based on uh, amyl nitrate. Um, maybe yeah. But anyway, you, you blast it up can your you, nose. One, can one you feel? You, can you feel your anus loosening? Four. Everything loosens. I'm not joking. I'm sure I've talked about this before on the pod, but I am addicted to it. Like I haven't taken it in a while because I haven't had a cold in a while. But when you yeah. get a cold, what happens is you start taking it. It's such a rush. It's really invigorating, and you feel your whole head clear. And you're suddenly breathing. Right. You feel great. And your chest clears. Everything clears. It's like a nu- it's like dropping a nuclear bomb on your cold. Right. And then sometimes, even after the cold passes, I carry on wanting to ah, use it. I think it's I got see. addictive qualities. That's and my wife's a bit like, you've got to lay off that stuff because yeah. you're supposed to just do one squirt up each nostril once every four hours. Well, mm. you know me, Andy. I don't. <laughs> Pay attention to those kind of instructions. You, I'm like, you, you, squat, you, squat, you squat, squat. Loud. squat, 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 right up both nostrils, loads of times, and yeah. then and I keep doing it like, yeah, time after time after time. And I get through these bottles. These bottles are supposed to last for months. I get through like one every couple of days. That's it. That's Sam living out loud, Delaney, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, I can recommend it. Sudafed nasal spray. If you haven't already got involved, and get yourselves involved. <laughs> You can get it's it in any decent chemist. It's brought you in association with Sudafed. Mm. Don't, Breathe don't easy, mention... like me, Sam Delaney. <laughs> don't, 
don't mention Sam to him when you visit your pharmacist to pick up a no, bottle. That, that'll backfire. You may find as though that they've suddenly sold out yeah. of them. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a news reporter man there, and he says, but here come the people who Roy will really want to see. Will really? Will he really want to see the team? What, I'm his work sure colleagues? Really. <laughs> yeah. Be a nightmare. Exactly. The cause of all of his stresses and strains in life. And it's just sort of like, when you're in a situation like that, you kind of like you don't you're not feeling at your best. You're not you, mm. your banter's not on point. You look pretty shitty. You 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 don't mind seeing your very close relatives, but beyond yeah. that, no thanks because you'd be well, exhausted as well. The last thing you need is been all of your work weeks, colleagues. I know you've been asleep for three weeks. Every single forget who's a footballer. Just imagine if it was you in your normal job, right? And it's like yeah, twenty of your colleagues from the office are all arriving here right now. Mm-hmm. Right, and they're all—they've all dressed up, especially, and they're bringing loads yeah. of shit, and they're just going to stand around, and want to chat to you for ages. And admittedly, there's one or two of them who you really like, you get along with, you'd be pleased to see them. Mm. But there's twelve others who are just fucking assholes. Oh, Even fucking hell! Can't be asked with. Not not Mike from Bort Ledger. That cunt. Exactly. What's he turning yeah. up for? He's only turning up because he thinks there'll be some free cake in it for him. The fat bastard. And he's brought you a little present, and it's a pair of those wind-up chattering teeth. Because he thinks they'll cheer you up. What's he on? You Fucking know what, Mike? Hell. Mike, fuck off. Mike, that sums up our relationship right there. Non-existent. Because if you knew anything about me, Mike, if you've ever taken the fucking time to get to know me, which you wouldn't because you're so fucking self-centred and self-serving, you'd know that I do not find tap like that amusing in the least. You, Mike, you, Mike, are what's called a fucking prop comedian or a prank mm. comedian. Yeah. You enjoy that kind of fucking basic fucking prank shit. Whereas my humour, Mike, it's more cerebral. It's nuanced. more dry. It's nuanced, yeah, nuanced. mate. Yeah, observational. It's humour. It's observational. Work I'm the clear. sort of bloke who'd be, who'd be able to just riff about seeing a pigeon near the bins in a park for like 10 yeah. minutes and it'd be much funnier than your crude wind-up toys. Yeah, different fucking world. Arsehole, Mike. Anyway, yeah, it's the Rovers. The, the Rovers have turned Andy, up. who's the worst cunt you've ever worked for? Not, in, not worked with, not including me. <laughs> you could the worst cunt just, I've ever yeah. worked for. As no, a with, boss. with, with, and that's why I say you can't include um, me because that'd be unfair. If you take me out of the equation, who's the worst cunt you've worked with? I haven't worked with that many people since our price. I've been I've been a lone ranger sort of thing. I've yeah. been a well, freelance, a renegade the, freelancer. Is that part of the There's reason? There's got to be someone though. I mean, there was a couple of arseholes at our price, but in in the end, they were just they'd been promoted beyond their ability. It wasn't their fault that they were fucking shit. Mm-hmm. They weren't malicious or vindictive or anything like that. Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever had a really shit boss. I don't think I've ever had a really shit one. I've been lucky. I have. Um, I've had awful people. Oh yeah, you've told me about some of them in the past. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very high up in very major organisations. Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't think I've had. Nah. You're probably the worst, to be fair. Well, I mean, I think probably one of the reasons that both of us try to avoid working with too many other people is because it's fucking... It can be frustrating, can't it, other people? Well, we're alpha males, aren't we, Sam? Yeah, we really? are. Really? We're of the leaders, day. we're not followers. Exactly. We struggle we, to take uh, we can't direction compromise. from anyone. We can't compromise. Yeah. God, I'm sure there is someone somewhere nagging in the back of my head that's been a fucking nightmare to work with. But I can't think who they were. I'll get back to you on that. Um, anyway, 
actually probably the cunt that got me sacked from a DVD shop. That oh, I, I remember in, him. In late 2004. Yeah. And they, they got me sacked about 10 days after the Christmas rush had, rush had finished. Um, and it was uh, the, the, the crime, if you want to call it a crime, was that I'd sold a DVD to my girlfriend over the counter. And apparently that was gross misconduct. But did you and give her a the, discount or not? No. So you sold it no. to her for normal retail price? Yeah, yeah. What had happened was I'd, it, you have to put the amount in on the credit card payment and I'd accidentally missed the digit off, realised I'd done it and then put a payment through again for the remainder of it. So Fuck. the full amount went so through. So you had the paperwork just to a, prove that it, you hadn't done anything yeah. wrong? Yeah, yeah. It was just a coincidence that that transaction had gone wrong when it was that my girlfriend I was serving, selling a, a DVD. Well, he, he was looking for something... He was looking for something, no, and were. he'd been looking for a while. They were, and they, he they, wanted uh, to bring you down. There was a little brochure. The company is called Silver Screen. Don't go looking for it; it doesn't exist anymore. It went no. bust shortly afterwards, and Netflix came along and just tore the arse out of DVDs, D sales. Uh, the little brochure you got to tell you what was gross misconduct. There was like nine things that were gross misconduct, and you know the obvious stuff. You know, stealing, yeah. fucking getting your dick out, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then number ten was. Any other thing that we regard as gross misconduct, oh, you were like caught in a, a trap. Yeah, it was a trap. Fuck Anything him. could classic. be gross misconduct. Wearing odd socks could be gross misconduct. Where, Fucking when hell. I in in any brief spell I've had in management in a larger corporation, you realise that when you're when you're hiring someone, yeah, the HR people's main concern is how you're going to yeah. fire that person on the day you're hiring them. Yeah. It's How amazing. How do we get this fucker out? They go, yeah. they go, right, you're hiring them. Now, we need to make sure that we're covered, right, on any mm. eventuality because it's really hard to get rid of people. So they're trying mm. to sneak things into your contract. On the day they're smiling, going, it's lovely to have you on board, they're simultaneously yeah. fucking you in the ass. Yeah. I'm sure this was the case with these cunts. Yeah. Because I got the job in sort of September as the shop was opening, um, ahead of the pre-Christmas rush. And then 10 days afterwards, it was like, right, we found something to fucking get rid of you on. So that was that. Pricks. Yeah, and the, the cunt who got me sacked now works um, in my local Sainsbury's that I go in now and again. And I see him. I ignore him, obviously. Um, well, I don't think he knows where I am, he's got a mask on. But um, it's a nice reminder of how far I've come since then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it is, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to brag or boast about my achievements of which yeah. there have been many yeah. in the subsequent 15 years. But whenever I see him, I think, I'm fucking living all right. I'm fucking and you're, and all you're, right, mate. You're working, you're working the door on Sainsbury's. At fucking How many fucking hammers have night. you got out in your back garden? None, I'll yeah, wager. Exactly. I've got fucking exactly. three. Um, talking of getting your knob out at work. Sorry, um, I'm just plugging my headphones in there as I'm talking to you. So, yeah, to- easily the biggest Talking cunt. of getting your knob out at work... Right. Yeah. Um, as you know, as I mentioned recently, I have started reading um, the Terry Mack uh, <laughs> autobiography. Yeah. And it's a remarkable book. I mean, remarkable I don't think, I'm not sure if it warrants a deep dive because it's kind of one of those books where pages and pages and pages go by where you feel he's just filling space by listing results. Or just, <laughs> right. just yeah. eating up the word count by yeah. like. Describing... I mean, we did the Keegan one. The Keegan one was incredibly special. Yeah, you know it what was, I mean. Because it was 
because no one's lived a life like Kevin Keegan. I mean, so, everything happens to Keegan was exceptional. Keegan comes across brilliantly in Terry Mack's mm. book really well. It's just like the fucking life and soul of that Liverpool team. So he was the alpha male in a team yeah. of alpha males. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And what I really like about him as well was a lot of them were like the likes of uh, Terry Mack and mm. Phil Thompson and then you've got people like Jimmy Case, Tommy Smith were real like hooligans, like mm. fucking rough lads from rough parts of town, you know. And Keegan, by comparison, was a, was quite nice. And he didn't drink. Lad. He didn't drink yeah. like the rest of them. He didn't womanise because he had his gene, right? <laughs> and yet he still dominated all of them in the dressing room. Right. Because of his energy. His sheer will. Yeah, and he, yeah, just like his energy and his approach to um, boot room banter was so yeah. relentless and energised that even though he didn't do the drinking or the carousing or any of the rest of it, probably didn't swear as much as the rest of them, didn't fight like they did, everyone had... He kind of dominated proceedings because he was just fucking Kevin Keegan. He was incredible. Plus, although he was small, he was, like, the strongest of all of them because he was just, like, one little bit of muscle. But... He could get through windows. Talking of um, getting your cock out, like, Terry Mack quite casually mentions like the mad sh- he basically fesses up at the beginning of the book and continues to verify throughout that he was pissed off his nut throughout his entire career mm. but keep saying but despite that I was always the fittest in any team I played in right mm. so I'm thinking mm, a bit dodgy but he talks about um this just popped back in my head when you said get your nut out because he, they finished a the game they'd won something or other they fly off to play an exhibition match in the Middle East not not unlike the sort of thing that Roy and the, and the Rovers often do. So they've gone out to Basram or whatever, and uh, they had to do a photo shoot with um, Bob Paisley and the whole squad. And they went into this Arab prince's, like, fucking living room, and there was a huge, gigantic football pitch cake, massive, right, that had cake goals Players, floodlights, the lot, everything <laughs> made of cake and icing. Jalapeño. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. And they'd been hammering it on the... He's gone... Terry Matt's gone, obviously, we'd been hammering the booze on the flight on the way over. <laughs> obviously. He, he went, and then... When we got to the palace, they'd laid on a lot of food and drink there, so we started hammering it there. And then we had to do this photo with the prince and this massive cake. And uh, me being me, you know, as the bloke saying, watch the birdie, I've got a certain part of my anatomy out and rested it on the on the crossbar of the cake goal. <laughs> rested it. <laughs> I don't, you can't fucking turn up. In fucking like the Middle East to some Arab prince's gaff and get your get pissed up and get your cock out and stick it in the cake, and apparently the prince didn't notice, but Bob Paisley looked around, saw it, and just went, "Maga, put it away for God's sake!" And that was that. That was the beginning and the end of the whole situation. Yeah, I don't think we need to do that book. It's he's the um, he's the only wise. He's the Sid Little. He's the uh, uh, Tommy Cannon. when bits come up of that sort of nature, I'll just drop them into other episodes. Like there's another yes. bit where, where he's Please in the don't. Newcastle team and they lose to Liverpool in the FA Cup final in 1973 or four. And uh, he says, people say that I couldn't lose because although I was playing for Newcastle, I was a Liverpool fan. Nothing could be further from the truth. I was absolutely sick. In fact, I'll show you how sick I was. Someone had bought me, a relative had bought me, a toy Kermit the Frog, right, as a good luck gesture for the game. And after the game, I kicked that Kermit the Frog around the dressing room at Wembley so much that it, that it ripped open and was totally ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I decimated that frog. <laughs> Some kids bought it for him. There you go, Uncle Terry. To say good luck for Wembley. <laughs> ah, fucking Kermit. It was a curse on me. Kill it, What's lads. Was Kermit the Frog even a thing in the night in 1974? That's exactly what I thought. Hmm. I'm looking now. I thought it was about 76. You're looking it up. This is a real Lampard move. The, the Muppet Show debuted in 1976. Well, he was Kermit in Sesame Street before that. Or was Sesame Street even going? I don't know. Uh... Well, Sesame Street was going in 69, but yeah, I guess we'll give him the benefit of the doubt, I think. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. This is um, what he says. Maybe, though, him being Terry Mac and always pissed, what he remembers is that someone gave him a toy frog. (laughs) And in his mind, he goes, ah, what was it, fucking Kermit the frog? Well, it was a frog. Yeah, it wasn't Kermit the frog. I'm pretty sure it was Kermit. I'll, I'll tart it up by saying it was Kermis. Makes, Makes it sound better. Makes it sound fancier. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we get back up to Roy yeah. the Rovers? Because we're going to end up not doing this episode again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the players are going in. Um, and uh, the, the the Lampards are all there uh, on their vigil. Congratulations on the new record, lads. Uh, and don't forget to give Roy our good wishes. Duncan McKay, McKay says, it'll be a pleasure. Uh, Get your no fucking batting. hands off of me. <laughs> Do not look at me. me. <laughs> look at the floor, boy. You're only permitted to look at me between 3pm and 5pm <laughs> on a Saturday. No <laughs> other time. And Noel Baxter says, thanks, but don't forget to give Sir Ralph Ramsey a bit of credit. Oh, we mentioned this last week, didn't he? He's yeah. um, hedging his bets there, Baxter, just in case Roy doesn't recover and Ramsey stays in the job. 
the cunt. And then um, a, a fan taps the reporter on the shoulder and says, Hey, mister, did you notice something? Why didn't you ask them where he was? The reporter says, Huh? Ask them who who was? Vic Guthrie, of course. He wasn't there. I counted them all in and I'll count them all out again, <laughs> just like that Falklands reporter. <laughs> and the other one says, Hey, that's right. And Guthrie is supposed to be on the police list of suspects. Gossiping fucking pricks, the lot of them. Yeah. Get a life. Get out your own families. Fucking amateur sleuths. Like, like true crime podcasters. Yeah. Standing around. Fucking bandying rumours around. Anyway, inside the hospital, Penny Race was waiting for the Rovers. And uh, Blackie Gray, of course, is leading the gang. And he says, uh, How's that husband of yours, Penny? Is it going to be fit for Saturday? I think that's like his attempt at humour, yeah. but you're not sure. He might genuinely think he's going to be playing that's again. That's not actually Saturday. funny, Blackie. He's been in a coma for two weeks. It's <laughs> not funny in the least. He's got a big bandage on his head. Well, she, she cuts him down. She says, not quite, Blackie, but the doctors are delighted with him. He's coming along fine. And, uh, one of the others, might be Jimmy Slade, uh, says, great. And then she says, she looks really sad, doesn't she, in the next one? She looks very sexy there, all sad and that. And mm. a pink roll Sultry. neck. Yeah. She says, but he's uh, tied up at the moment. And uh, Blackie says, the police, of course. This is the first chance they've had to question them about the shooting. And we've all fucking rocked up to have a look. Oh, hell. There's no fucking time in Rotten. But, uh, yeah, over the page, and it says, by now, Roy had been moved from the intensive care unit. Uh, the entire head bandage has been removed. His hair's in good condition, considering it's been under that head bandage. He's just got one weeks. single bandage around his head now in sort of like a tribute to Duncan Mackay. Yeah, or John McEnroe. Yeah. Who was very famous at the time. Or Steve Foster. He used to play for Brighton Hove Albion and always yeah. wore a headband. Um. And there's a, a detective there. He said, oh, no. and are you absolutely certain that you didn't get a glimpse of the gunman, Roy? And Roy says, sorry, Inspector. I wish I could be more helpful, but everything is still pretty hazy. And then we get a nice uh, look back, uh, flashback scene. <laughs> he says, I can remember going back to my office and listening to some calls on my answer phone. And we just see the gun in a hand peeping Bang. through the door and then nothing he says and then nothing just the impression of an explosion and a tremendous bang on the head <laughs> I I guess that was the bullet <laughs> yeah I <laughs> guess it was mate yeah, yeah you don't fucking say <laughs> I just remember a tremendous bang on the head I mean As I got- it's a good job I'm Roy Race because you'd you'd expect that most people who got shot in the head with a bullet would be dead <laughs> you're regular civilians but with me well, it just stunned me because I'm Roy Race, and as as such, I've got this incredibly elaborately sculpted and well maintained hairdo, <laughs> and that took the brunt of it. So I'm very very lucky, I suppose, that I could afford to get my hair done like this. Save me life. I'll uh, I'll send a bouquet of flowers to me uh, me local hairdresser. Thank him for all his work. Rico, they call him. Lovely lad. <laughs> He's Very bit, over-familiar. What a lovely he's a lad. Bit, he's, he's quite peculiar. Uh, I would have described him flamboyant. He's the flamboyant yeah. sort, you know. 
But I've got no problem with the lad. He does a great <laughs> job with me, Barnet. He wears a neckerchief most of the time. I don't know whether he's uh, he's French or Turkish or something like that. Anyway, for yeah. certainly a funny, funny accent. Quite good English, though. I mean, I always say to him when I go in, I say, get your hands on me head, or keep them off me cock, and we'll be all right. <laughs> and he knows, he knows where the boundaries are. Yeah, keep your eyes off me fucking arse as well. We have a bit of a laugh about that, you know. <laughs> Just joshing about, really. It's all good humour. It's all good politically correct humour, as I think they call it. He knows where the line is, and he'll, he knows what he'll get if he steps over it, or even <laughs> steps towards it. So, uh, yeah, I guess that was the bullet, he says. And then he says, and you say it was Rick Guthrie who found me? And the detective, who basically is just a redrawn bloody grey with a different hairstyle, yeah. says, uh... That's right. He told us that he'd gone back to the stadium in the hope of sorting out one or two problems which had been souring your relationship. He's putting words in Roy's mouth there, isn't he? Yeah. He said he'd gone back to the stadium to sort out some problems. Did he shoot you, Roy? Was it him? And um, Roy, I mean, I get a lovely full-on view of the uh, the headband. It's almost beyond Borg-esque, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's who he's most like. He also looks a little bit like He-Man. He does, yeah. Yeah, powerful image. He says, I had been forced to discipline Vic for repeated bad behaviour and he was furious about it. But there's nothing really vicious about the super brat. Very <laughs> <laughs> weird way of speaking. I mean, surely you don't think that, that Guthrie tried to kill you? I'm keeping an open mind at the moment, Roy. We have him under constant surveillance. And, and then uh, a, a uniformed officer comes in and says, telephone call from headquarters, Chief Inspector. You can take it in the ward sister's office. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh. Development. And uh, the the uh, chief inspector goes and takes the call. Uh, it's one of those trim phones that Noel Edmonds used to have. Fucking great. Late, late breakfast show. And, uh, I like one of those now. They had them on Swap Shop yeah. and on... Um, Swap Shop as well, yeah. The Superstore. I mean, when you were a kid, all you really wanted, you were like, Mom, why can't we get a phone like Noel Edmonds' this one? I want yeah. shit. Yeah, everyone had the big fucking one, didn't they? Huge fucking phone. I think that some people might have been imagining this, but I've got a feeling that some people kept a phone in a locked plastic box that you need a special key to access to stop their teenage yeah yeah. stop teenage kids from just like getting on the phone. phone. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they probably might have a money box next to it as well. When I think call, of my the box. big giant phone at home when I was a kid. Mm, stupid big giant phone. It's a big fucking heavy bastard thing. What, what I think about is how one day I had a plate with some peanut butter on toast on it. <laughs> and I was trying to eat the peanut butter on toast, but obviously I decided that I wanted to make a phone call at the same time. <laughs> I was pretty, yeah, okay, pick out the phone, give someone a call. Who would I have been calling? I don't know, chub, maybe, chub, chub. maybe my nan. I don't know. Anna, it's me. I'm just having my peanut butter. It's me, Sam Delaney, your grandson. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I dropped the peanut butter on toast on the phone Ooh. and the peanut butter smeared on the dial Yeah. and it got underneath the dial through one of the holes. Yeah. Um, The 10 holes and yeah. underneath onto where the numbers were and it all smeared. And then when I actually turned, and you couldn't, once it was in there, you couldn't really get it out because it was underneath no the plastic in. dial, no. right? 
which yeah, was transparent so you could see it. So then when you dialed the number, every time it went forward, remember? That was fucking laborious as well, wasn't yeah. it? Jesus. It smeared the peanut butter more and more. <laughs> and that peanut butter smear stayed underneath the dial of my home right. phone for the next decade. Fucking hell. So whenever I think of my big, cumbersome, burgundy home telephone, mm. I think of the peanut buttery smear on the dial. Yeah. And I just thought, this is this is horrible, and I wish I had a trim phone like Noel Edmonds is. Because it could just wipe it clean. You either wanted that, or you wanted a um, hamburger one, didn't you? Yeah. Or I one. I'm not fussed about the hamburger. What, I don't want a novelty what, phone. I just want a what, fucking cool looking one. What about one shaped like some sexy lips? No. No, I don't okay. want a novelty phone. I'm a right, serious you want, man. You want a trim phone? Hello, I'm Andy Dawson. Hello, Andy Dawson. Yes, yep. I will come out yep. riding on my bike later. What yep. time are you meeting? Yep. I'll be there at six ten. <laughs> Um, yeah I'll bring my spangles yeah TTFN um, <laughs> so the the, the the detective says so our man has made a move at last eh and then we see what the other end of the call is telling them yes sir last we heard from Mitchell he was following Guthrie by car in the direction of the airport fuck me what a twist this is Guthrie here we didn't this really suspect like, this is it's fucking Guthrie Soon as race is awake, that's it. He's done one. Yeah, because he thinks, fucking hell, he's going to blow the whistle on my ear. And Fuck. then in the next panel, it says, and at that very moment, exclamation mark. And that must be Mitchell, who's been following him. Um, Guthrie's at the British Airways check-in desk at, I assume, Melchester International Airport. I'm guessing mm. it's got an airport. Um, uh, Mitchell says, uh, going somewhere, Mr Guthrie. Guthrie turns and goes, Oh, who, who are you? What do you want? And then uh, Mitchell flashes his badge at him and Guthrie says, Police! <laughs> That's right. I think in the circumstances that Chief Inspector Manning would like another little chat with you about the attempted murder of Roy Race. That's oh, in, like, bollocks. That's in block capitals. So all he these, says it louder. All of these fucking old bell at the Melchester fucking police force are classic 80s old bill. They've mm. all got cunty faces, very neatly side-parted hairstyles, the hairstyle yeah. of a fascist. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Precise yeah. and orderly, just like they want society to be once mm -hmm. it's in the grip of their iron fist. Yeah. This cunt who turns up at the airport has got a neat, little, a neatly trimmed little tash as well. They've, and I've they've... got to say, I look at this fucking Melchester constabulary and I think, you are exactly the sort of cunts who, if you weren't doing this in this era, you would either be beating up members of ethnic minorities or yeah. framing Irishmen for things yeah. that, for blags they never yeah. done. They're Definitely. exactly that sort. They've all got the ruddy features of the functioning alcoholic as well, haven't they? Guthrie, eh? Sounds like a bit of an Irish name to me. What are you fucking talking about? I'm from London, and I, as it happens, I play for the Welsh national team. Yeah, tell it to the judge, well, that's Paddy. That's just a technicality. Yeah, tell it to the judge, Paddy. You're fucking going down for a long and son. <laughs> I bet your fingers are fucking covered in Semtex, aren't they, you little cunt? 
You murderous bastard, Patty Scam. You fucking red-headed, murderous Irish cunt. Thank God Mrs Thatcher has finally given us the powers we need to bang you scum up without a proper trial or jury. So, yeah, that's where we leave it. Um, And they obviously don't know what's going to happen next because it just says at the bottom, don't miss further developments in next week's episode. Can I you can't be really a bit be more specific? Thinking. Yeah, it's like What's next gonna be, week. You've got to tease them to keep them coming back for more. What <laughs> we got lined up next week? Oh, we've not really got started. Just say there'll be further developments. Like the kids going to go, oh, apparently next week there's going to be further developments. I'm going to reserve my copy now. Just put next week more things. Yeah, next do. week we will not be treading water. Things will progress <laughs> in some way. So there we are. We'll find out what happens next week. Uh, Guthrie's about to get arrested. Mark's at a 10 on that one. I'm giving that a 9 myself. Yeah, I'll give it a 9. It's pretty there dramatic. There's no going on. There I mean, no nicking Guthrie at an airport is pretty exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got to see this through the eyes of the nine-year-old, haven't we? Yeah, we exactly. You'd be shitting yourself if you were nine years old yeah. at this development. Yeah, definitely. Uh Right, that's it from this one. We'll be back with more next week. Uh, we managed to get through the story this week, so that was good. Uh, yeah, thanks very much. Take care, fan, etc., etc., etc. Just rest. 